0: You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Rashawn Copeland, welcome to Real Faith Stories. Man, it is so good to have you on the program. Looking forward to the conversation.
1: Brian, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you, brother. I've been anticipating it greatly.
0: Well, you've got an amazing story. I'm actually going to just start off with what God is doing right now. You have got hundreds of thousands of followers on your various social media channels, and God is using your voice in a pretty profound way. What I'd like to do is go back to the beginning here, Rashawn and hear some of your backstory and kind of hone in on an event that really changed your life when you were 17 years old.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I would love to start by sharing that. Really quick, Brian, I just want to say out loud, I do not deserve to be where I am now. And quite frankly, excited about what God's doing and shocked that I'm even a follower of Christ as I look in retrospect at how my life was, but the power of God changed me as he changed you and many of the listeners now. And I'm just so grateful for that. Mm. But as we look back through the corridors of history, back in the most miserable, one of the most miserable seasons of my life was when I was gunned down, shot, left for dead one night. I was hanging out with a young lady who I well, can't say I was in love with her, but I, I love what I can get out of her. I was pretty much using her for my own means. We were high school students. I was a quote-unquote star athlete, and I was Weeks away from signing a national letter of intent to go to a major Division One university. And when we were sitting in this car that specific night, we had this rap music on. A matter of fact, the album was called Get Rich or Die Trying. Mm. And that just shares with you where the state of my heart was at that time. Very prideful. Very prideful. And... Out of nowhere, she gets a message from her ex-boyfriend. I look over, me being that prideful, egotistical, high school football player, future, quote-unquote, college football star in my head. I reach over and I grab her phone just to see who it was real quick. And I looked down and it was some other guy. And from that moment, we started having a conversation and I was basically... Telling him this is my girl now, and really mm-hmm. going off on him, and he was going off on me. It was like a little dog fight through the phone. This is what happened, and my lack of wisdom and my foolishness. I told him, "Yo, pull up, come, let's fight, let's do this." So I like provoked him to come out to where we were, and I gave him the address where we were at at that park. A, a car peels in about ten minutes later. Five guys jump out. They're walking towards us, and I fearfully yet pridefully get out the car trying to defend the honor of this girl as well and just walk over towards him and i didn't know what was going to happen my mind was racing at that time because i was like there's five dudes and it's only me right here Mm -hmm. and he reaches for his waistband when i get about 10 feet away he grabs a pistol he waves it in the air my heart drops I turn and I run. I slipped and I fell on some rocks. He stood over me, gun down. My head is, is looking up towards him. I, I throw my legs up to cover my vital organs. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, two gunshots ring out. I began to scream out and I got up and I ran. I ran towards the car. I dove at the left side of the car and I'm looking up at where this young lady is. And the, I noticed the door was open, looked in. No one was there. Come to find out as I'm laying on this cold concrete, this warm blood comes out from underneath me and I'm laying in this pool of blood and the most agonizing pain that I've ever felt in my life was right there in that moment. And I began to have my life flash like back like, how did I get here? Like Why am I here? I was just wrestling that night. And I just remember hearing that car peel up, out a little bit. And I thought they were going to jump over and come try to finish me off. So I tried to roll underneath the car in fear. Because I was so utterly helpless at that time, the only person that I could even think to call out to was the Lord. Because my coaches weren't there. My friends weren't there. My parents weren't there. The girl wasn't there anymore. All I had was God to call out to. So the best I knew how knowing of God, but not knowing him, I didn't know the best way to cry out to him, but thank God, praise be to God, that we can call Him at any moment, no matter how far we are from Him. We're not too far to be reached. We're not too unworthy to be loved. We're not too broken to be fixed. His hand is not too short that He will not save. So He reaches out to me in that dark hour, but He uses some gentleman twenty minutes later to come and pick me up with a white T-shirt on, and He threw me over His shoulder and all you can see is blood coming out all over this man's shirt. And he throws me in the truck and he drives me, speeds through lights and everything, get me to a hospital. As I was on the verge of death, weaving in and out of consciousness, he got me to that ER. But I would definitely say that man was sent by God that day. God met me at that dark moment. And I'll never forget that. Never forget how he used, you know, that moment to really turned my heart towards him. But again, I became a prodigal after that. I mean, but that was a defining moment for sure.
0: After you went into the hospital, got out, it sounds like not much changed until years later. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely. So this is what happened. I was on crutches for months. I was bedridden for at least a month and a half without being able to do much of anything. But here's what I remember. There were moments whenever I was laying in bed, and I realized I lost pretty much everything that I was putting my whole being to, like football. The scholarship was gone. I started getting phone calls that they're done. They don't want anything to do with having a potential gang member on their campus. Things like that. It was. Wow. It was really sad to hear about that. And then friends that. Was celebrating and cheering me on on the field. All of a sudden there were no more calls, no one visiting my bedside. And after the first couple of weeks. And then I realized how like low I was. And all I had was to really talk to my mom and hear her encouragement. And then the Lord, that's all like I really had. And then what happened a little bit later, I found myself after I was healing. That's when I started to get back to the normal. I don't necessarily need God. I'm good now. Like, it it was more like I needed God to be like that personal genie or some type of healer God. And then when you're done, I'll go off to doing what I'm doing. So it was a personal, like, Santa Claus to me, sad to say. I don't know how I got there, but praise be to God later. After I went to a college, I finished playing ball. I had a child out of wetlock. I was still running around, acting a fool. Nights where I was blacked out with with from liquor and and smoking weed, like hospital visits and that because I was going too too hard and and things like that. And I end up just trying to find a way, like, hey, I'm going to take care of my son. How am I going to do this? I'm not going to go to the NFL. I know that. So. I probably need to jump into military and I just want to prove my dad that I can do this. Like, Mm -hmm. And I can go in as an officer. So on this sort of venture to please my dad, I went out to San Antonio, Texas and commissioned as an army officer. But I found out a little bit later after that, that this is not what I want to do. Like, again, it was all about me. I went AWOL from the military, went out to L.A., when I got to L.A., I finally was in my sweet spot where it felt like digital, social media, becoming an influencing, even being a hype man for a guy named Soldier Boy and doing all this stuff, riding the rocket ship of social media fame. All this stuff was going down. And then as I began to get like the a million followers or the verification on social media and I'm in these these rooms with all these creators, I realized. Had this house in the valley, a G Wagon. I realized how miserable I truly was, right? Scripture says, better little fear of the Lord than great wealth and turmoil. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a ton of wealth or anything like that, but I was around really wealthy people. But yet we were also miserable and empty because we never could satisfy that void, mm-hmm. which is Christ. And Brian, this is where I got to, bro. Like, I went out to Baylor University to watch one of my brother's football games. And there was a young lady who was a Christian girl that was at an FCA style gathering that I had by the grace of God went to. And she walked up to me. She began to talk to me and want to know my name. She was asking me questions. What are some things you're struggling with? What are some things you're celebrating? Like she truly was intentional about getting to know
0: me. How long were you in the military before you went AWOL?
1: I was just finishing my training, so about nine months as a commission officer.
0: Okay, and you just like, I'm out of here
1: again. That was my immaturity and my foolishness, and again, my pride to do what I want to do, to get what I want to get, wherever my desires took me. Like I was going to follow. Sure, and and it was terrible. But by the grace of God, they, they brought me back in. Like I, after really? all I came to Christ, God restored and redeemed all that, like Romans 8, 28 style.
0: I just wanted the detail on what happened with going AWOL. So I'm going to circle back now to your experience at Baylor. So you're, okay. you went to a football game to watch someone play. And this girl yes, just engages you in conversation, right?
1: Absolutely. And so
0: you're sitting in the stands and this happens there?
1: Well, I didn't meet her actually at the game. I was a lounge at our apartment, and there were FCA students there, and ah. they, did, they did a gathering. <laughs>
0: uh, it was a setup, man.
1: <laughs> yes, basically. My brother and his teammates knew what they were doing, okay. and all the Baylor students. <laughs> but But we're hanging out, and I'm used to the LA scene parties that have like liquor, party, mm. gray goose, all this stuff. But when I'm at this, gathering. They're holding Red Bulls, drinking water bottles and stuff like that. (laughs) So I was like, that's cool. That's awesome. But what is this about? And some young lady had the boldness and conviction and confidence to walk up to me in the most pure way. Like usually when you're in LA, girls will look over your shoulder to see if someone else more important walks in the room and then if someone else more important walk in the room, they're on that guy. So that's how usually it usually works in LA. But this young lady, like, she was like just really drawing the gold out of me. Like, whatever she can do to speak into my life and encourage me and ask questions. Like, I was not used to people asking questions. What are you struggling with, Rashawn? What's some good things happening in your life? And what are your dreams? And and what is God calling you to do? Like, I never heard that type of intentionality behind what what my sense of purpose is and what, what I really feel like I was born and created to do. And we spoke and laughed and cried and you know, all that together for like the next four or five hours. Mm. I get back on a plane and I fly home. And a lot of what she said about Christ, she shared her story and the gospel to me. And a lot of what she said like resonated and I was just trying to grasp it. But God had planted the seed, which later... I didn't know he was going to use to really impact me in a dark moment, I'd like get off the plane. And God began stripping people the idols from my heart, essentially. Like mm. I had a girl I was dating at USC. Uh, she found out that I was entertaining a young lady in the porn industry emotionally through our social media and things like that. So she found out about that literally like a day after I got back and we split up. That really hit me. And then I found out my boys, my friends that were closest to me out there were actually a part of her finding out about that. So I was angry at them. There was so much stuff. I felt abandoned and so much shame. I was sitting in this house in the valley where I live. I went down the hall and I grabbed a pistol and I went back down the hall, put the pistol in my mouth and I was going to take my life. But all of a sudden in this dark room, as I'm shaking and I'm sweating, taking a pistol out of my mouth, putting it back in, taking it out, putting it back in, all of a sudden, by the grace of God, my phone lights up on the bed. I, I get up, I put the gun down on the bed, pick up my phone, get back on my knees, and I'm reading a powerful message that came from that young lady from Baylor in my darkest hour again, I'm reading it. And it said this, brother, it was a Bible verse that dazzled me when I seen the glory of God in it. But it said, oh, how wide, how deep, how vast the love of God is and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's shining Christ Jesus. Right. And then when I read it and read it, I started weeping and weeping and I cried out to the Lord that night and he met me there, bro. Mm. But he used... Social media posts, which literally is why I dedicate like my life to it today. Sharing Jesus online is because that's where he met me. Wow. You know,
0: and it was from that girl at Baylor.
1: Yes, sir. Oh, my word. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So I'll never forget that.
0: You know, with all this stuff, when you got back, started falling apart and God started stripping away. All these things that you are grabbing onto for value and identity. Do you ever circle back with her and speak with her about the impact that had in your life by chance?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the last time I did was probably a year and a half ago as I was writing my book, Start Where You Are. She was a big part of that, (laughs) helping me craft that. But she's out in Houston now doing some amazing things for the king. And yeah, it's awesome to see what God's doing in and through her life.
0: Well, I'd be willing to bet that she was praying for you after you left for God to get a hold of you. And he started to do that by doing that stripping, didn't he?
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Immediately, right? Like, that's amazing, the power of prayer, bro. Yeah.
0: And so then after you came to know the Lord, Jesus, you saw how powerful that post was, obviously how God used it to change your life. And as you said... Then you had this passion well up to start doing the same thing so you could see others changed as well, correct?
1: Absolutely. Like, we can't help but the champion that which changed us. And, and God, through his son, Jesus Christ, being crushed on across cross for my sins, and me coming to the knowledge of his great love for me all while I was a sinner, like, <laughs> he died for me. I have to share that message and champion it.
0: What was the next step? As you move toward this whole, I'm going to tell people about the Lord social media focus.
1: So basically, what happened after that? I go underneath my bed. I find this Bible that I had not seen or, or known about because there were people in that room prior to me getting there. But there's a Bible that I crack open, and it said these words. That next morning, after I was about to commit suicide, it said these words. When I read, it. I went to the red letters. It said, "If any man wants to be my disciple," He must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And then he said, He that wants to keep his life must lose it. But he that loses his life for my name's sake shall gain it. But this is what hit me head on like a semi-truck, is the words that came after that, the words of Jesus. He said, Oh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? And I was like, at that moment, I didn't even feel right in my own skin. Like I I needed to get out of LA. That was the only thing I could think of. I came out here to essentially gain the world. But again, the Bible right here in this very moment, after all that just happened, is telling me, what does it profit me to Mm -hmm. gain this world, but yet lose my soul? Out of that, after that, I jumped on a Greyhound bus. I literally packed everything and I took that Bible and and left all the material things behind, but had a book bag and went on a Greyhound bus and rode that Greyhound bus. And Jesus began to meet me there. The Holy Spirit began to show up in that bus. And I cried out to Abba the best I knew how and and began to just disconnect from the world and connect to the word of God. And I ended up riding it for hours and hours, finally getting to the LA station Several hours later, I get on a Greyhound bus and ride it all the way back to Oklahoma with my face and the word of God as it built my faith. And it changed me. And I got back to home and I literally laid on my brother's floor for the next few weeks, got planted in the church called People's Church and began to use my essential platform that I've had. Online and just start sharing Christ. I lost a lot of friends and followers, but I
0: can imagine
1: I gained a good father, yeah, and a great purpose and calling to preach and share the king. So that's what was the big change for me. It's literally just started right away sharing.
0: How many years ago was this now?
1: That was about oh, it's been about six years now.
0: So you had this huge social media following, and then you just said, I am going to shift this. And I'm going to speak the truth that I know now.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Tell
0: me what's happened since you've done this. What kind of feedback have you gotten? I'd love to hear some stories.
1: I literally got at so much outlash. Aren't you the guy that used to be up here cursing and, and rapping? And aren't you the guy that always hit the club with this and that. Don't you run with Soldier Boys, Tech Nine, all these, th- like, who are you to come up here and say something about Jesus? So I, I got a lot of pushback. Like, it was terrible. Do you remember when you wrote this to me or that girl or when you tweeted at this person? So I got it, I got it real bad at the beginning. But what was cool is that there were followers of Christ when I began to share my testimony that would, Be like, keep sharing your story, man. Even though I didn't have it all together when it came to like explaining deep theological truths or anything, it was more like, this is what happened to me. This is what God did. And now this is how my life is going. This is the change I'm seeing. And then people would celebrate that. And it gave other people the opportunity to hear about Christ who never would have heard of him through my platforms that followed me for all the wrong things, you know? And I've seen a lot of people come to Christ through that, just being vulnerable and and bold to share, Mm. you know, the obstacles and the test and the testimony, you know? So like, it was
0: awesome, bro. Well, let's talk about the vulnerability and authenticity piece. Tell me some of the things that you share that you know, that you're going through on social media and people respond to, and I would guess, I know I'm preempting your answer, but my experience is that when you are honest with people, they will give honesty back to you.
1: Yes, that is right. That's right. Like when you're open and you're willing to share your wounds. Mm -hmm. Just like Jesus did. You remember after he was on the cross and that wound was there whenever he went through the wall and met the disciples and he let them not only see the wound, but feel the wound. In the same way, we need to be out there, not only just sharing our experiences, but walking with people so they can get a real perspective of who we are Mm -hmm. in the most deepest, intimate places of who we are. But again, social media is a whole nother thing because you want to have wisdom because so many people take things so many different ways. And I just feel like David was a great uh, biblical, sorry, he modeled authenticity very well. So even finding ways and praying, like saying, God, show me how I should write this tweet or post this picture and what to say in it. Like we need God's help in that, you know? So I would just ask God for more wisdom when even posting on online, especially the deeper parts of yourself and what's happening to you, if, if that makes
0: sense. Totally. I mean, you're just submitting your communication to him and asking him to guide it so he can have his way with the people that follow what you're doing. What are some of the key questions that you tend to get routinely From your followers? So,
1: some of the very things like, how do I know that God is still like with me, that He still cares because I'm doing this or because of that is happening in my life? So, people just want assurance at times that like God still cares for them in their weaknesses, in their inadequacies, in their failure, but He loves them too much to keep them there, of course. He's not just going to endorse us. Continually walking towards sin, but He loves us enough to lead us out of it. He won't
0: let us just hang out there and keep doing that.
1: Exactly, exactly. He, I mean, He He He'll give us the power to change as we seek Him and seek Him with all of our heart. That's where He says you'll find Him, and and He wants us to seek Him, wants us to know Him, and us to be known by him and make him known. So it's just about intimacy, relationship, and then change is going to come.
0: What would you say to somebody, Rashawn, who's hearing this and they're saying, man, I feel stuck. I mean, I know Jesus is the answer, but I'm stuck. I'm in this Mm. constant cycle where I can't seem to get out of this orbit. The gravitational pull is just too strong in my life, and I really want freedom what would you counsel them to do?
1: I'll start off with pointing out the enemy, he's against your focus. Your focus, one, being on the Lord, and he wants you to almost feel the weight of the sin and the things that hinder us and and entangles us up. He wants you to focus on all the wrong things and keep your perspective on the wrong things. Mm. But I want to encourage you if you just do what Hebrews, just like the all the champions, the what do you call it, the
0: Hall of Faith.
1: Yes, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of your faith. Like I would just encourage you, what does that look like? That looks like posturing your heart every single morning to meditating on the Word of God, reading it, meditating on it, speaking it, proclaiming it all over your life and joining community of believers to edify you, encourage you, to challenge you, to walk with you and live a vulnerable life with them. I think all those things matter. Praising God, worship, that's really saying my focus is on the Lord. And from that, deliverance will come through prayer, meditation, praising, proclaiming, all those good things. Endurance and encouragement is found in the scripture and that alone. I usually try to look elsewhere in my natural state, but literally we have to be so fixated on Christ and who he is and keep the word of God fresh in our
0: heart. I'm thinking of when the disciples said to Jesus, you have the words of life, where else will we go?
1: Wow, that's good, brother. Yes, that's exactly right. Where else will we go? Materialism or drugs?
0: How's that working for you? Exactly. Sex? Video games? No. (laughs) Right. We're trying to buffer and placate our flesh with all this stuff when Jesus Mm. is saying it's very straightforward. I am the way, the truth, and the life.
1: That's right, brother.
0: I am what you are actually seeking through all these various things like you said, if we would just be still and listen, he's speaking. Mm. He wants yes. to show you how much he loves you.
1: That's right.
0: How can people find out more about you, Rashawn?
1: I would say the best place probably would be anywhere on social. I know I have a website, rashawncopeland.me or there's sharetheking.com if you want to be more equipped in evangelism digitally. Outside that, Yeah, just anywhere online, social media, Rashawn Copeland.
0: Okay. Anything else you'd like to share as we finish up here? I'm going to ask you to pray for our listeners. But before we do that, anything spring to mind?
1: Absolutely. I I would just say this to encourage someone out there who has struggled in a way that I just presented my struggle with pride and pursuit of pleasures and power. I want to remind you today, we're not called to be like famous, but we're called to be faithful. And I don't know about you guys, but even to this day, the enemy tries to tempt me with trying to find power outside of uh, the Lord and the, through the power of his spirit. He tries to tempt me with all types of things, but I don't know about you guys. I don't want to compete with God for his glory. Mm. An audience of one is the perspective we should have at all all times, I feel, because we don't want to fight for applause or protect ourselves from the critique of others, or else we'll be left and right all the time. Oh, I got their applause. Yay. Mm-hmm. Like, my life is good. Yes, this is great. Nor do we want to always be like, man, I'm so timid and scared that... What people are going to think about me is going to be bad, but think about the glory of the Lord and how can I honor Jesus, but also honor people, of course. But remember, we're here to please God, not men. And I I just feel like my whole life, I've been trying to please men in the pursuit of things that if you understood the treasures found in Jesus, I mean, your whole perspective will change the way you view everything. Mm. And let's be faithful in that.
0: Right on. As we finish, we'd love to have you pray for our listeners, please.
1: So, Father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died a brutal death on the cross for our sins, and he rose again and gave us power to fulfill the call that you've called us to, which is yourself first, and out of that, to preach the gospel to every man and nation. Lord, we ask that you would just be with Brian, his Amazing audience that you have been continually edifying and raising up through this unbelievable podcast that points people to you, God. We just ask that you would just touch us today, wherever we are, and continue to walk uh, with us and, and lead us and help us to partner with you in a greater way to advance your kingdom. We give you praise and glory, and we thank you for all that you're doing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Rashawn. So great to have you on the program and hear your story.
1: Thank you, Brian.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.